welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. I'm very excited to be before you this morning. Um, There's been a transition in my life that some of you are aware of. Uh, You know, I I have been working bivocationally and ministering, meaning I I do this, but I also work. And the Lord has been transitioning us out of that, which has been, and I'll be honest with you, it's been a new challenge for me. Um, But it's very timely that this series is something that the Lord wants me to talk about because it requires a lot of this. Before it was easy to get up and go to work because there's tasks and assignments and stuff that I had to do at work, right? It was easy for me to go, okay, I'm supposed to get up. I got to do these things and I have A, B, C, D. When it comes to like, the Lord's like, I don't want you to go to work today. And like, okay, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to wait on me. That sounds like, oh, that sounds so nice. Try it. When you've been objective based your entire adult life and good at it, And then the Lord says, I want you to go into the church and wait. I want you to go and just sit and wait on me, and I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. That's a new kind of challenge. You know, sometimes we complain about being too busy. You're not getting enough sleep. But I promise you, you don't know what to do with your hands when you have nothing to do but wait on the Lord. So it's a new challenge that I'm walking through, and I'm enjoying it. And I appreciate your guys' prayers and support for that because what I believe the Lord wants us to do is to walk into some greater things, some greater impartation, some greater revelation of the Word, and some greater growth in this church. But it's timely that the Lord has us talking about this because it's what we're walking through. It's something that I've had revelation of in my life before, but I'm getting more and more as I continue to press into that. So my heart is that you would hook with me this morning and that we could talk through some of these things and look at some practical ways to live by the Spirit versus living by the flesh. The, spy, the, the, the Word says that if you live by the flesh, it's actually in direct contradiction with living by the Spirit. And, and, the, and the Lord sets these in contradiction to each other. He literally says, if you live by the flesh, it's enmity, it's against God. But if you live by the Spirit, you're a son. For as many as live by the Spirit of God, these are sons. Now I want you to point, I want to point something out to you. I studied up what this word son mean. It literally meant not a simply a servant, but an heir. There's a lot of people who come to Jesus Christ and behave like a servant. And they're okay with that. But what the Lord is saying is if you'll live your life walking by the spirit, you'll not only be a servant, but you'll be a son. You'll be an heir. And so there's a level up there. There's an increase that God, what God wants to do in your lives. I want to turn to, uh, I think this will be our text or one of our two text verses, um, and it's Romans 8. If you guys have your Bible, let's turn there. I just felt impressed to go right in this morning. We'll do offering and announcements and stuff at the end of service. So we're just going to flow with what the Lord wants to do this morning. Romans 8, starting in verse 1. If you have it, let me know you have it. That was probably really loud. So I want to point something out. We talked about this last week. Um, It's really important to know what Jesus Christ did. 
right? So we, if I were to say, what did Jesus Christ do? Someone's going to say, he died on the cross for me, right? We all agree that? Let me see hands. You guys agreed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? Okay, great. Good. We're all on the same page. But what, what did that actually do? See, before Jesus, there was a law that was given to all of the nation of Israel, and it was actually only given to Israel. It wasn't given to Gentiles. And you might say, Micah, what is a Gentile? That's, if you're not Jewish, that's you. Yep, you're a Gentile. That would be me, okay? I'm Italian, Gentile. That's what I am, you know? But it's important to know what Jesus did when he came. Because he, though in Romans it says that he came to fulfill the law. Not, a lot of people think that he came to do away with the Old Testament. And that's a wrong view of thing because we, it puts a negative context on what the biblical Levitical law was. It, 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 the law was perfect. To this day, it's still perfect. In, in, in as that if you were to walk by it, you through your own actions could call yourself righteous. But pretty much no one was able to do this. And there's chapters and chapters and chapters of information in this book on how to atone for your unrighteousness when you mess up. There's so much information in this book that tells you what you... Because different mess-ups of the law require different types of atonements. There was oil offerings. There was grain offerings. There was bird offerings. There was animal offerings. There was a way you had to cut it. There was what had to be cooked, what had to be boiled, what had to be pulled out before, what had to be put in after. There was incense. There was offerings of praise. And it was very organized and set up the way that if you did specific things because you messed up in category A, you had to do category A, one, two, three in order to atone for those things. People spent their entire days atoning for their mess-ups. They spent more time walking through the process to be in right standing with the Father than they pretty much did anything else. Don't take my word for it. Read it. Go back. Read Deuteronomy. Read Leviticus. Read Exodus when the law is given out. Read these things. But Jesus didn't come to say that was bad and stupid. I'm going to give you a new thing. He came to fulfill the law, which means he lived according to the law. And when Jesus died on the cross, there are things from the original Levitical law that stayed the same, and there's things that he changed. And it's good to know the difference. One of the things, the most powerful things that he changed was our righteousness and our ability to no longer live by the flesh but live by the Spirit. Do you understand everyone in the Old Testament could only live by the flesh? That's the only way they could live. Meaning, they were responsible for their actions, they were held accountable to their things, and if they messed up, they physically had to make atonement for their actions. Okay? They only had the option to live by the flesh. When Jesus came... One of the many things that he changed or increased or developed and switched was the position of righteousness that you hold. How you get to be righteous. It is no longer by the flesh or your actions. 
it is by the Spirit. Oftentimes when we read Romans, where we're getting ready to read, we look at flesh, the word flesh, and we think temptations of the flesh. We think sin. We think mess ups. And that is part of it, but it's also the part where they, by the flesh, had to make themselves righteous. It is, it is also, it is those things and the action they had to take to make themselves righteous through atonement. So what he's saying is you no longer have to live by the flesh, giving into your passions, giving into your, um, your lustful desires, and you no longer have to put yourself through your ability to walk through atonement into righteousness. Does that make sense? It's not just the gross stuff. It's also the work for your righteousness. Does that make sense? Okay. So starting Romans 8, starting in verse 1 says, There is therefore now no, say no, condemnation. The word condemnation means judgment unto death. Because that's what the wages of sin deserved, was death. So condemnation is a judgment to death. The word condemnation, so judgment isn't a negative word. You can have a positive judgment, right? Let's say someone said, you stabbed my kitty cat. And you go to court and you prove that you didn't stab the kitty cat. The judge will say, I judge you not guilty. That's a good judgment, right? So the word condemnation is a negative judgment. It's a judgment unto death. That means he says, guilty, you're going to die. Okay? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ. There it is, in Jesus Christ, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin to the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk in according to the flesh, excuse me, who walk not in according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there's a, there's, a defin, there's, a, there's a requirement that you have in this. What he's saying is Jesus has done all of these things for you and, and the, the atonement, the righteousness, the ability, the strength is in the position of being in the spirit. If you are in the spirit, this is how you're walking. You have a choice whether you want to rely on your ability to be righteous and live in the flesh or to walk in the spirit. He's given us free will, right? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Again, this isn't just simply temptations. This is self-righteous action. This is your ability to say, look what I did. I, I gave all of my money to the poor. I volunteer at church six hours a week. I do this thing. I help people. I let people live with me. That's you using your actions to portray your righteousness. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So it is not just simply an action. It is a thought process. The Word says to, re to, re to renew your mind, Right? We have to renew our mind by thinking differently than what we've thought before. So there's, there's a decision we make to think on, to live in, to have our mind on the things of the Spirit as opposed to the things of the flesh. This is a decision you can make every day of your life. 
For verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. What God is saying is here is if you think of the flesh, he's not, it's not, he's not saying I'm going to kill you. He's saying the result of going down that road will be death because you're relying on your ability to make yourself righteous, which we already know cannot be done. Because we are, we are imperfect people who live in an imperfect world and, world, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us, we would be basically set up for failure. Does that make sense? Verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, actually, let me, let me pause there. You cannot please God if you are in the flesh. I was talking about this when we had our spirit wing conference. I talked, I talked along some of these lines, but I was specifically talking about so what spiritual worship is. And what I said was, is the, 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 the verse I use is when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and he said, the time is coming and is now here where, where true worshipers will come. Right, You won't be worshiping on this mountain or in this temple, but true worshipers will rise. And Jesus said, God is seeking, he's looking for, he's gazing and looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And what the Lord was showing me, he said, you need to put yourself in a position of being in my gaze. We, the word has been watered down in modern days. And we say, well, God, God loves everyone and he accepts us how we are. No. Show me that scripture. Well, Jesus preached acceptance. Wrong. He preached repentance and the kingdom of heaven. So it's been twisted to say, well, God is love. Therefore, if he is love, you love me in the way I tell you I need to be loved. And if you don't love me in the way that I need to be loved, you're not being Christ-like. That's not scripture. That's, that's putting your mind on the things of the flesh. But what the Lord said, he's like, you need to put yourself in a position of my gaze. Do you understand that God has a parameter in which he looks? He has, he has, the way that I related it to is if you see Lord of the Rings, I know that the, the all-seeing eye is a bad dude, but it's a good depiction of how he had a specific gaze, right? Or, or a lighthouse can only see what's in that, that, that lens of view. That camera on that wall over there can only see the where we've pointed it. I couldn't be behind the camera and say, okay, everyone online, look at me. That wouldn't, how would that work? That would be bad. That would be bad at doing online, right? I would say, everyone, look at me. Come on, look at me. I'm over here. Well, no, the camera has a specific gaze that it's set to. And what I'm telling you is God is similar in the way. Do you mean that God can't see me and he leaves me forsaken? No, the word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But what I'm saying is he's looking for those who make the decision to choose to live in and by the spirit. He will never leave you or forsake you because he sent, he sent Jesus to be an atonement, to be a sacrifice for your sin. So if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and God as your father, you will go to heaven when you die. But you might live like hell until you get there. What I'm here trying to tell you is that God has a better plan and purpose for your life here and now. The word says on earth as it is in heaven. We actually kind of have a little bit of a cheat code. If we choose to live by the spirit and not 
by the flesh. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It is a decision you have to control your thought life. Well, Micah, how how do I know if I'm thinking right? How do I know if I'm doing the right thing? Well, you know by what your thought life is looking like. The word says think on good things, whatever is right, whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is edifying, right? Whatever brings peace, whatever brings joy. He says to set your mind on these things. So how do I know if I'm thinking in the spirit or my mind's on the flesh? It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to tell if there's peace in it, if there's joy in it, not superficial, immediate satisfaction joy, but foundational joy. The, The way that I... We have a problem because in English, our language is just a hodgepodge of a bunch of other languages. We've adapted words. The word says that the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? We've all read this verse. You all understand that? I want to put it to you this way. Um, we need to be watchful how we read that and, it, and add the power to it that it needs. This should not read, the joy of the Lord is a source of strength. Or the joy of the Lord is a strength. What I'm saying is the word joy and the word strength are synonymous. The joy of the Lord is the source of all godly strength. It is the fountain in which strength is birthed from, if you will. If you did not have joy, God's joy, you, strength wouldn't exist. So that's the joy that it's, the, joy, the, the source of joy comes from, excuse me, the source of strength comes from joy, is what I'm trying to say. So when you read the joy of the Lord is your strength, it's saying the source of powerful joy that brings peace that surpasses all human understanding, that, that comes from that place. Simply, same, similarly how people say, well, God is love, but the, in their minds they think God is a love. Does that make sense? God is a love and God is love are two different sayings, but we read them that way. So I'm saying we have to put the proper power with the proper proper context. God isn't a love. He is the source of love, of true love, of powerful love. So we have to understand who we're in this relationship with. It says, verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This this crucify the flesh... Yeah, let's do that first. Let's do that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to Galatians verse 5. Starting in verse 16. Don't let me get ahead of you. If you guys have it, let me know. 
Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed, they're opposite to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now it tells you what works of the flesh are. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Meaning, if you're in the flesh, you, if you're in the Spirit, these things will exude out of your life. And the law, you, you cannot be held accountable to the law because you're being accountable to the Spirit. Does that make sense? And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to envy, uh, to envying one another. This word crucify is, is there's, two, there's two meanings of this. One is the actual action of crucifixion. It's what Jesus went through, right? But figuratively, it's of putting the old self to death by submitting all, say all, decisions and desires to the Lord. This, this utterly and decisively rejects the decision to live independently from Jesus. It's a rejection of gratifying of self. I realize that this is not super popular, especially not today, but I'm just reading Scripture. I'm just reading you word. I've read two passages of scripture. And what I'm saying is if you if there's if what I'm reading brings conviction to your heart, it's I'm not trying to make you feel bad. That's the Holy Spirit pointing some things out to you. The great thing is is he will help you walk away from those things. I want to read what the desires of the flesh are. And we're just going to look at a couple of these things. Sexual immorality, okay? That means I'll be very very plain here. Sex is meant to be between a man and a woman who are married. Okay? That's the way that God designed it. Anything other than that, than the two people who are married having sex together, anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Anything. Okay? By Bible definition, that is a work of the flesh, not a work of the spirit. Real quick. <laughs> I'm just, it's just scripture, okay? Impurity. This is being impure with self. This can be indulgent. This can, this can be sexual things. This can be putting anything into your body that is impure or unright. This can be what you see and what you hear. This can be movies. This can be music. This can be walking into places you shouldn't go. This can be putting yourselves in positions where unpure things can come upon you. And because what happens is what comes in is what comes out. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, how do you get stuff into the heart? Through your ear gate and through your eye gate. This is why the word tells us to call every thought unto, into subjection. We don't, just, we don't just think on everything that pops up in the air in the old skull. We reject stuff if it's not of him. We're having fun now. Sensuality, that's along the same line. The first three of these all have, to do, all, all have can do with sexu sexual sin. Verse 20 says idolatry. 
Well, everyone's like, I'm good there. I don't worship any other gods. Okay, well, let's talk about the word idolatry. It literally means putting anything before God. Simply put. Well, I don't do that. Hold on. I'm not saying you do. But let's examine that. Have you ever put anything before God? Yes. I have. I'll, t- I'll tell myself. This can be your kids. This can be your spouse. This can be your job. Most of the time, it's yourself. There's so many people who say that they are Christians who worship themselves. They're so focused on their own selves, their, my development, my path, my walk, my giftings, my abilities, my this, my that. There has to be proper alignment, okay? If you are married, I'll, I'll speak very plainly and we'll move on. If you're married, it should go like this. Husbands and wives, pay attention. You are to have a relationship with Jesus Christ first above your spouse more than anything else. That's the number one relationship. Second is your spouse. Third is your children. Fourth would be the ministry or work that God has called you in. If you're you're having issues with any of those four situations, go back to the first one and start there. Is my relationship with God where it's supposed to be? Okay, if that's in alignment, good. Is my relationship with my husband or my wife where it's supposed to be? Okay, we got that one down third. Is my relationship with my kids, my, my, my job being a parent or a father or a mother, is that where it's supposed to be? Okay, great. Fourth, then the ministry is going to be evident of steps one through three. Does that make sense? If you're single, you don't have as much to worry about. It's just, it's just you and Jesus. And I'll define single, okay? Not married, okay? Well, I'm dating someone. I understand. Great, that's great. If you're not married to them, you're not married to them. By Bible definition... You're single, okay? Until you stand before the altar and make commitment to each other, you're not married. So your, your relationship with Jesus Christ is you and Jesus. You don't have anyone underneath you that you're responsible for. You don't have anyone you're in partnership or commitment with that you're responsible for or it's supposed to minister to. It's you and then Jesus and then the ministry or work that God has called you into. Does that make sense? I'm speaking as plainly as possible. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Here's interesting. Strife. You mean that I can't have an argument with someone? There's a difference between having an argument or having, having a discussion and getting into strife. And if, who'd have thought? There's times that we need to talk about things. We grew up differently. We grew up with different parents. That's, who'd have thought? There's times that we need to talk about things. We grew up differently. We grew up with different parent. We grew up differently. We grew up with different parent parenting styles and habits. We grew up, I grew up with a billion children in my family. She grew up with two. And so there's differences there. So we have discussions and arguments. There have been times in our lives where we've had great, heated, non-strife discussions. Okay? Then there's been times in our life where we had very simple but very strife-ridden talks. Strife is not directly equated to the volume of your voice, is what I'm trying to say. It has to do with the spirit that enters in in that argument. And if you're good, you'll sense it and you'll call it out. Hey, babe, let's take a break. We're entering into strife. We need to speak against this thing because we can't actually have a good discussion until we get the strife out of here. Same thing in the workplace. Same thing with people that volunteer in the church. 
Same thing with if, if strife has entered in, bitterness uh, can come in, offense can come in. If you find yourself in those positions, you need to be forgiving. You need to walk away from those things. Jealousy. That's pretty self-explanatory. Fits of anger. Do you know that fits of anger is a work of the flesh? Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Right, so be angry and sinning would be fits of anger. Righteous anger is something you use against the enemy to take authority over him. You're not just supposed to be happy with the devil attacking you and your family. But fits of anger would be, I don't know, something like someone cuts you off in the roundabout because they don't know how to use it right. And the first thing out of your mouth is a fit of anger. That's a work of the flesh. I'm getting a lot of the smiles. None of you have ever had to deal with terrible drivers who've never seen a roundabout before. Never, never, never. Dissensions, divisions, this has to do with disagreements. This has to do with pride. This has to do with getting your own way. Well, I'm right. Listen, just because you're, you could actually be right, but you're wrong. You understand? You could actually be right, but you're wrong because of your heart and because of your attitude. This has to get into getting pride, get into being pride. You should always lead with humility, even if the person who is giving, ripping you a new one is actually 100% wrong. Always lead with humility. It will bring you protection. And even in the most extremes, I'm talking people screaming in your face. You're not, you don't have to necessarily, I'm not saying to stand there and accept abuse. You can walk away. You can get out of situations. But you can be absolutely right and be absolutely wrong at the same time. Envy, drunkenness. Do you know that drunkenness is an act of the flesh? Okay, I'm going to talk about this in a minute because this is something that I've actually lived through. Being buzzed is being drunk. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you how to live your life. But if you've made exception for it and said, well, I will drink just to the point where I get a little bit buzzed, you are under the influence of alcohol. And that's causing an imperativeness in your nature. And 90% of the time, the peace that you're searching for will be found in Jesus, not in the bottom of that bottle. Now, if you have no conviction around this and you feel okay with having a couple beers or a glass of wine at the end, I'm not saying what you can and can't do. That's between you and the Spirit. But what I'm saying is the Scripture says that drunkenness is an act of the flesh, not of the Spirit. Okay? I am not, I'm not coming out as a pastor and saying no one's allowed to drink in, in Taney Love Church. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's a decision you have to make between you and the Holy Spirit. He's going to walk it. Some people I've, I've heard that they said that it's okay, and some people have said that I know that I'm not supposed to do this. That's where personal conviction comes in. But I, what I can tell you is that drunkenness, and, I, and if you want to know the definition of this, it's under the influence of an alcoholic substance or a foreign substance, Okay. So if you're under any amount of influence of that, it's an act of the flesh. The next one is orgies. I hope none of us in this building are participating in those, but just so you know, that's an act of the flesh. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. And things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are things that are the flesh, and then it goes into the things of the spirit. They are love, joy, the first two are the things I talked about a second ago that are the source of them. So we'll read it like this. The fruit of the Spirit is the source of love operating through your life. The source of joy operating through your life. 
where peace that passes all understanding comes from operating through your life. Patience to endure ridicule. Patience to endure judgment. Patience to endure, endure all things. Kindness, meaning when people are unkind to you, the spirit of kindness is on you to be kind to other people. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident in your life. In fact, it'd probably be pretty easy to tell how if you're living by the flesh or you're living by the Spirit. It should be pretty easy. We have some pretty clear defining lines here. Now, Micah, can I be living in the flesh in one part of my life and living in the, in the Spirit in the others? I, I say it's, it's a walk between the two. The Scripture says they're against each other. That's what it says. It says that if you walk by the flesh, it's enmity. It's, a, it's opposed to walking by the Spirit. Now, I understand that some of, maybe, we, maybe you do good in one, maybe you've done really good at not allowing certain kinds of music or certain kinds of movies in your life, but maybe you're not doing so great in another area. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. This is why we endeavor to walk in, with Him and through Him. But you get to decide how you walk. Now, Here's what's really, really important about this. We can read what living in the flesh is and living in the Spirit is, and you can sit there and go, I really want to endeavor to the best of my ability to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. What you can't do is get into your ability to walk in the Spirit. Because guess what? You're walking in the flesh. Because you're walking in your ability to withstand temptation. You're walking in your ability. When I stand on this side of the pulpit, this is flesh, that side spirit. I don't know why this has happened, but it started last week. We're going to continue this, right? So if you're walking, even if you're endeavoring to walk by the spirit, if you're not actually spending time in the spirit, you're walking in the flesh, endeavoring to walk in the spirit. The power, I'll say it this way. The power to what you are calling to walk in the spirit is your flesh. It's your natural ability to withstand temptation. It's your natural ability to not to speak the things that you want to say. It's your natural ability to withhold the ability to have fits of anger when the person cuts you off because they're going the wrong way in the roundabout at the 4 or 5.30 in the morning when you're trying to get to the airport. Don't know why that example came up, right? So to walk in the spirit is to rest in a position, meaning it's a decision to get quiet before you make decisions. It's a position of, I'm going to get up early and I'm not going to just check my phone and check Instagram or whatever, however, this is just an example. It doesn't have to be this thing. I'm not going to get up and make myself breakfast. I'm going to get up and be conscious about getting quiet and talking to the Lord. Lord, how, how, what, would you, what do you want my day to look like today? What am I doing today? And it's, and it's a conversation between you and the Lord. A good way to start is with praise and thanksgiving. I'm not saying you have to sing, but Lord, I thank you so much that I woke up this morning. Thank you that there's breath in my lungs. Thank you that you've given me the ability to, to operate on this earth another day. And begin to thank the Lord and then begin to pray in the spirit. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you feel comfortable doing. And then just get quiet. Micah, I don't have that kind of time. Hogwash and poppycock. <laughs> if it was important to you, you'd have time. I'm not, trying to, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I completely understand this, especially when you have kids. And your, your brain goes, well, I'll just wait till everyone goes to bed. And that'll be the night that your kids, for whatever reason, don't go to bed on time. Yeah, you're, right. you're like, I, I had this all planned out. Yeah, the enemy knows. Yeah. 
So he's going to try to bring strife in. He's going to like, your kids are going to get a hold of sugar somehow. And it's like, how did every other night this week, it's worked out great. How is it that literally Armageddon has exploded in my house? It's 1130 and my kids aren't asleep. What the frick is going on? <laughs> or you go, you know, I'm going to get up really early. And then you get up really early. It's 530. You go out to your living room and here comes one of your young ones. My stomach doesn't feel good and I need a snack and I want this. And you're like, I just want time. You need to be stubborn about this a little bit. If, if, if you're not married, you have even less excuses, okay? I'm not trying to be, I'm, d- I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> now, if you have animals, you have things, I get. The enemy's going to try to cause things. But if you have kids, and especially if you have, if you have a partner or whatever, babe, go watch the kids. I need to go get quiet. You will be a better benefit to the person you're in partnership and married with if you're able to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. I know that I'm not that great to Becky when I'm living in Micah's flesh. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good dad there. Not nearly as good as I could be if I was walking in the Spirit. The same thing is with you in your workplace and the people you're in partnership with and the people you walk around with and the people you're in fellowship with and the people you volunteer with at church. You're, you're not as good as you could be when you're walking the flesh versus walking the spirit. It's a cognitive decision to, to set time aside. In Romans 12, it says to present yourself a living sacrifice to the Lord. It says this is your spiritual worship. That word sacrifice is the same word it talks about crucifying the flesh. It's the same context. To present yourself to the Lord in a way that you've died to the self, setting aside making a conscious decision to not live independent from him. uh, To decisively reject the decision to live independently from 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 the Father. Excuse me. It's a decision. The Lord has set all of this up. We talked about this verse last week, Matthew 11, 28, verses 30. It says, Come to me all who are weary and labored, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden. Say burden is easy. Jesus has a burden that you are supposed to carry. But oftentimes, the thing that you're carrying is heavier than the thing he wants you to carry because it's you. He's paid a full price for you, yet you've withheld that from him and you're carrying yourself and you're wearing yourself down and you're hurting yourself when he says, hey, you give me you and I'll give you me. You give me the thing that I paid for, and I'll give you the thing that I paid for. And if you take my yoke upon you, it'll be easy and it'll be light. You still have a responsibility to carry something, and that thing that you have a responsibility to carry is to live by the Spirit. It's making a decision to forego what, it, what feels good and what you want to do and, and to get quiet and to ask the Lord, what am I doing today? How is it supposed to operate? And then you choose to live from that place as opposed to choosing to live Compulsively. The flesh is a compulsive thing. Now, the Holy Spirit can cause you to make decisions quickly and decisively, and that's not under compulsion. That's under direction. Right? So if, for, for instance, if, if, you, if you were in the army and your commanding officer says, do this, you know what you do? You do it quickly. Right? So that's what it's like when you're under the authority of the Holy Spirit. It's not a compulsion because the, it, the action didn't come from you. It came from him. Mm-hmm. 
But when you live by the flesh as opposed to the spirit, especially if you're used to doing things compulsively and you don't have discipline, it's going to be really hard for you to, it's going to be a process. I don't want to speak evil of you, but it's going to be a process from walking out of that and walking into living by the spirit because you've not formed any discipline because you've just given in to whatever you've desired. So it's a, it's a process, but Jesus Christ gave us grace and mercy and power and the ability to walk through this. All we have to do is to decide to begin our day, to begin our walk with Him, allowing Him to make decisions. In that verse in Matthew, it says, Come to me all who are weary and labored, and I will give you rest. The word labored literally means to grow weary, to toil, to work with no effect. It, 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 the context is both physical and mental labor and pain. That word work to no effect, that kind of hit home with me. Because that's what we're doing when we're living by the flesh. You're working to no avail. Now, there might be worldly fruit that comes out of it. What I mean is you can work hard and you can get money and then that money can buy things that can make you temporarily happy. I'm not saying that it's wrong to work. We know that there's scriptures that talk about it. But that's what it means to work with no effect. Even if you were the most successful entrepreneur there was and you become the richest man or woman on earth, what, what does that do for you when judgment day comes? Jack, does nothing for me. There's nothing wrong with being the most prosperous and the wealthiest entrepreneur there is. In fact, I believe the Lord wants us to be more, more better. <laughs> My brother Dave's coming out. Wants us to be gooder and gooder at business. Wants us to be more proficient at being entrepreneurs. Wants us to be better at, at being faithful in the places of work that he calls us to. He wants us to increase more and more. He wants us to have finances. It literally says a good, a good man leaves, leaves uh, inheritance to his children's children, right? That takes money. That takes ability. But that comes from being in the spirit, not being in the flesh. It's not supposed to be, well, I'm going to go and get my money. I'm going to go get my bag now. And so then, then after I get my bag, then I'll serve Jesus. What, he, what his desire for us is, is to, it, it's so funny to me, because the more I've been studying into this, the more my eyes are open to how easy he wants our lives to be. He has an understanding of how difficult it is to crucify the flesh, but he, he doesn't, his, the burden that he has for us in Matthew is lighter than the one that we're carrying. Do you know how I know that? Because he said, come to me if you're weary and downtrodden, if you're heavy laden, if you're labored. And I'll give you rest, and the rest that he will give you is putting a burden on you. But he said, but the burden I have for you is easy, and it's light. Because you're no longer alone in the field trying to pull the plow by yourself. You're yoked together with Jesus Christ, living in the Spirit, deciding to put on that yoke daily. Every day you get to choose. What yoke are you going to pick up? This one over here, that is just you. Pull yourself up by your, I, I did it my way, the whole Dean Martin syndrome thing. Do it yourself or, which leads to and only leads to being weary and downtrodden. This is the only place that this is going to take you. That's, that's it. You might have something to show, you might have some money. 
You might have some things. You might have some ability. But it will only lead to being weary and down. That's the only place that this gets you. As opposed to making a cognitive decision to put on the yoke that Jesus has prepared for you. And being yoked together with him in the field that he has called you to. As opposed to just dragging through other people's fields, pulling a plow through people's yards, making a mess. Like I said, you might have something to show for it. But what did it take? What kind of mess is in your, in your wake? Who did you have to run over to get there? Who did you have to manipulate? Who did you have to steal from? Who did you have to work over? Who did you have to rip off? Who, who, who is at the sacrifice of your success? By doing it your way. As opposed to being yoked together with Jesus, where everyone who is in this position, everyone comes up together. Because that's how God operates. He's actually pretty good at business. He's actually pretty good at this. Last week, we talked about actually getting in a position to let go of ourselves. And spending time talking to the Lord about things about us. Things that we've found ugly, hurts and pains and stuff that we have. Because the, what's going to happen is as we start going through this series and you start endeavoring to live by the Spirit, the devil's going to be, become the biggest accuser in your life. He already has been, but he's going to become a greater one. He's going to bring things back up to your remembrance. Well, you're not any good. You don't know as much as these people. You don't have as much training. Remember this thing that you did when you were eight. Remember this thing that was done to you when you were a kid. Remember this thing that happened. Remember this thing that you told your brother. Remember this. Remember when you hit this person. And sometimes they can be pretty bad. Sometimes it could be you made a mistake and people really got hurt, really got damaged. And sometimes some terrible things you were a part of and were done. And he's going to bring all of those things back up to you because he's going to, he wants to keep you in a position of self-righteousness. Well, Micah, I don't feel righteous, right? But if you're standing, allowing yourselves to sit in the accusations that the devil's bringing against you, that means you have held on to those things and you put yourself in a position of pride saying, I deserve these things. Jesus, you don't take them. I'm carrying them. And as opposed to letting go and allowing the Lord to take it, he's going to take what you deserve and he's going to give you what he deserved. That's what it means to live by the spirit and not by the flesh. If you live by the spirit, meaning daily make time, make occasion for, make, be purposeful about living in the spirit. The Galatians, it says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You, not that you have to try to not to. It says that you won't. Most of us spend our lives trying to not to. We spend our time trying to not give in to the gratifications of the flesh. As opposed to trying to live in the spirit. You, you're walking the fence line hoping you don't fall over as opposed to being way over here away from it. Does that make sense? If you live in, if you, it's, it's, a, it's a position of, what you put your mind on. We were reading this in Romans. If you're putting your mind on, stay away from the gratification of the flesh. Stay away from the gratification of the flesh. Oh, that's a gratification of the flesh. Let's run from that. Oh, that's a bad thing. Let's escape that. Let's run from that. As opposed to, hey, Jesus, how's it going? How can we hang out today? Oh, that sounds great. Let's do that. I'm just going to follow you. There's way less stress over here. You know why? Because you're not even close to satisfying or gratifying the flesh because you're in Jesus. You're, no, you're, you're not fighting anything other than, hey, 
Flesh, shut up. I'm hanging out with Jesus today. You don't get to have your way. We're spending time with Jesus. And then just do that every day. And you won't even be close to gratifying the desires of the flesh because you're not in that realm. You're in him. Does that make sense? You do not have to battle against these things. That isn't your job. You don't have to battle against fighting the flesh. You don't have to. I know the word says crucify the flesh, and we think that that means we have to crucify it, but I read you the definition. Crucify means it's the decision to reject to live independently from him. It's just deciding I'm not going to live here. I'm going to live here. It's me and Jesus. I'm putting the yoke on every day when I get up, the thing that he's called me to do, and I'm going to live here. I'm not even close to gratifying the desires of the flesh because I'm having so much fun working with Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes I don't like to get up early when it's time to plow. But that's what it means to crucify the flesh. Hey, we're getting up and we're going with Jesus. Not, I'm on the edge of temptation, white-knuckling this thing because I have. To, if I just fall into temptation, I'm, everything's going to fall apart. And people live here. And it's so terrifying. Ask me how I know. It is a terrible place to live. Every day you wake up like, oh, I really hope I can just make it through today not messing up. If I can just get through today not making a mistake, I, that'll be good. When God is like, don't live trying to live in me. Come, it's way easier. My yoke is easy. It's light. It's not a burden. There's joy here. There's peace here. Patience. Things that you, you desire to have. You're wanting me to come to you on the edge of temptation, on the edge of flesh. But what I'm saying, don't even go near that town. Don't even go down that street. Don't even go near that country. Come hang out with me over here and we won't even have to deal with that stuff. That, that, become, that becomes an afterthought. It's way easier to protect my daughters from getting hit by cars on the interstate if she doesn't walk on the interstate. You understand? But a lot of times we're running across the lanes in the interstate trying not to get hit by things. And we think that that's our job. We have to, we have to just be careful. Oh, we got to dodge this one. We got to dodge that one. I dodged another one. We have, and Jesus is like, hey, why don't you just come sit in the restaurant? Why don't you just come off the interstate completely? Come hang out with me. I, I'll pick up the tab. It's fine. Have a milkshake. Have a steak. Whatever you like. Come chill and, and hang out with me. There's work that we got to do over here, but I'm helping you. It's easy. We got to paint the barn. I, I got a paintbrush too we got to plow the field. Well, I'll help you pull the plow. As opposed to dodging cars in the interstate. You understand? Yeah. We've lived a lot of our lives over here trying to dodge temptation, trying to do dodge the desires of the flesh, trying to dodge things, white knuckling, trying to, trying to just make it through. When he's like, don't, just, don't try to just exist. Thrive. Live with me. And I will move you up. I will, I will move you from grace to grace and faith to faith. And you'll walk into things that you'll never see. It's going to require a little bit of com uncomfortability in the fact that you don't just get to make all of your decisions anymore. We're all pretty logical people, right? If I had clear five-gallon drums, okay, and I had a table over here and one here, and in this one, the drum is filled with your favorite things. Maybe that's cash. Maybe it's Starbucks cards. Maybe it's treats and desserts, right? They're clear. You can see it. This isn't a trick. It's not like you pick one. And this one is filled with scorpions, poisonous spiders, and snakes. And I say, you get to choose. Okay? It's not a hard decision. We're all pretty logical people. You choose the bucket of money, right? 
not the bucket of scorpions. Okay? But what the enemy wants us to do is he disguises the bucket of scorpions as your walk. You're going to battle against things, but you're going to have strength. The Lord's going to help you battle against things. He's going to say, you got to put on that armor. You got to pick up that shield and you got to fight your way through that bucket of scorpions. And we get self-righteous. And then he's going to say, well, this is the easy way out. God wants you to be strong in him. Right? Be a warrior. When Jesus is like, just take the bucket of cash, bro. Like, it's easy. Come hang out with me. You don't have to dodge the things. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and spirits and things of other worlds. But we battle that from a position of rest, not a position of action. I said we battle that from a position of rest, not a position of action. For the battle is whose? So why are you fighting? Faith is a shield. It's a position of staidness, of rest. The spirit is the sword, meaning it's the power behind what you need. You understand? That means when it's time to swing the sword, who tells you to swing the sword? The spirit. The action of your life, the enemy has twisted what, what it's not. When I say we're logical, is if it was as simple as that, a bucket of cash or a bucket of scorpions, everyone would choose the bucket of cash. But that just means the, the way to get to the bucket of cash is you don't get to make decisions anymore. And I believe everyone in this room would be like, hey, I mean, as long as I get the bucket of cash at the end, you tell me what I'm supposed to do and I'll get the bucket of cash. Right? It sounds pretty simple. That's literally what the word is saying. And Jesus is saying, to get the bucket of cash, you just got to do some work with me. I'm not even going to leave you alone to do it. I'll help you. We're going to do some walking. We're going to do some ministering. And when power needs to come to heal someone, I'll give it to you. And when anointing needs to come on your life to tell people what they need to hear, I'll put words in your ears. And when you have need ability to come up, I'm right there with you. You literally just get to be the hands and feet. And then you get the bucket of cash. That's easy. As opposed to standing over here and struggling, trying to fight your way through life. That's what it means to live by the Spirit versus living by the flesh. And for I don't know why this is as hard as it is, except for that the enemy is fighting you tooth and nail in it because he understands that if we truly knew the power that came from resting in Jesus Christ, he would never have an ability to mess with us again. So he's constantly trying to get us to live in the flesh. And he disguises it. Well, if you're a man and you're the provider of your house, you, know, you, what, you, you better be there. You better be strong. Ain't no one going to talk to my kids that way. No one's going to look down at my wife. No one's going to no come to my workplace and tell me how to do my job. He, he uses pride. He uses all these things. There's nothing wrong with being strong. There's nothing wrong with being masculine. There's nothing wrong with knowing how to have equipment and use it the pro proper way. There's nothing wrong with being bold. There's nothing wrong with being righteous. All these things are good, but if they're coming from you and not from him, you're living by the flesh. Does that make sense? Yeah. We are called to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. It's, it's an easy decision, but it can be difficult in practice because it requires surrender. It requires, an act, it literally will require time on your part. Do you understand me? You cannot live by the Spirit if you do not give it time. I know that that might not sound great, but it's true. You have to give him time. He is not imposing. 
He's not going to force his way into your life. You have to decide to not gratify yourself and literally, not figuratively, literally go spend time with him. That's how you live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Does that make sense? Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.